ready to push the boundaries of performance mentally, physically, and everywhere in between? Welcome to the Two Fit Podcast, where the two fit guys uncover the tips, tools, and tactics from elite performers in the fields of health, nutrition, athletics, and business that will set you up for success, deliver results, and help you on your journey to becoming too fit. Now, let's get started with your hosts, Jake and Josh, the Two Fit Guys. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode of the Two Fit Podcast. Boys and girls, how old are they? (laughs) Well, I just figured I'd change it up from (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. I like it. And today you were in for a treat, as always. But today we're going to answer a question for you that you've never even asked yourself. Which is? What the hell is quantum biology? I certainly didn't know before I had today's (laughs) guest on. (laughs) I'm not really sure I still do, but... At the end of this conversation, we have a lot better idea, though. Much better idea. Today's guest was Craig Emmerich, actually Maria Emmerich's husband. Episode 28, check it out. Yeah, tune in. And this was a cool episode because it was a topic that we really don't know anything about. We did some prep for it and still didn't know what it was about. And I feel like towards the podcast, the end of the podcast today, which means you're going to have to listen to the whole thing, we finally brought it together full circle on how it applies to your life, the everyday application. Yeah, I think you really summarized it well at the end of that podcast and brought it all together. And I will say, hang in there for those first 25, 30 minutes, just and allow Craig that space just to define some of these terms for you guys, just lay the groundwork. And then we really get into actionable steps that you can apply to your life today to increase your health through quantum biology. Yeah, it really boils down to just like three key pillars that we established during the show and some really actionable steps that you can take to just become a healthier, more optimized human. Now it's up to you to go make it happen. Enjoy, make it happen. All right, Craig, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. All right, Craig. To our listeners out there, I think this is going to be quite an educational podcast. Today, we're going to be covering quantum biology, which when you first mentioned that to us, like I was telling you before we got started here, I'd never heard the word before. You know, I think people are familiar with quantum physics, quantum mechanics, but how it applies to the everyday living world is something new. And so we're really excited to dive into this topic. And so first of all, I guess the first question out of the gate is, what the heck is quantum biology? (laughs) Yes, that's the big question. So, uh, you know, my background, I actually have a degree in electrical engineering. And so, you know, way back when in a previous life, when I was uh, in the uh, engineering world and and in college, I learned about things like quantum physics. At the time, you know, it's this crazy concept that was hard to understand, you know, what it's all about. And then after that, I didn't use it very much, kind of went away. You know, it's, it's this kind of spooky thing that you knew they proved exist, but what does it mean? Well, you probably heard in the news and whatnot, quantum computers are starting to be developed. So they're using some of these quantum properties to make computers. Well, over the years, uh, my wife is actually very active in nutrition business and we have our ketogenic uh, cookbooks and whatnot that she does now. And then through that whole process over the years, I actually went away from engineering and came in to help out with our business. And then recently, in the past couple of years, I started reading up on quantum biology. It was kind of this full circle. I've 
started out in this engineering physics world, but now I'm actually in the health world and I'm seeing a connection between the two. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting stuff. So what is it? You can kind of think of things in maybe like three levels. Okay. So there's kind of a macro level and that's kind of what we live in. That's, you know, the world around us, the trees, the rocks, that's at a macro level, what you see. If you zoom into kind of a micro level, you start seeing things like, you know, DNA, proteins, enzymes, these kind of cells, blood cells, white, you know, red blood cells at that level. And you see these kind of micro level things. Well, there's a whole nother level you can go down to, and that's kind of at the, that quantum level where you start seeing things like the basic building blocks that make up everything, right? Mm-hmm. Your electrons, your protons, your atoms. Well, everything's made of those things, right? So if you look at that very small level, you don't look a whole lot different than that rock, right? It's, it's just protons, electrons. They're just made up in a different way, right? And a lot of other things that go along with life. But what's interesting is at that quantum level, these particles have some really strange and interesting characteristics. One of the most basic things about uh, quantum physics is something called the wave theory. So the wave theory is these particles, they act like a particle, but also like a wave. So there's this uh, famous, and I can give you some uh, screenshots and things to put into the show notes, but there's a, there's a two-slit experiment where they put two slits in a, like a screen. And then you, if you send particles through, you have a detector on the other end and you get two spots where those particles build up, you know, where they go straight through the slits. You get these two spots where they build up. Well, if you send a wave through it, like water, they're going to go through those two slits, but then those waves out the other side, they're going to interfere with each other. So in some spots, the waves will double and the other spots they'll cancel out. So you get this pattern on the detector where you get peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. And that's a, w- a wave. Well, what they find with quantum particles like this is when you send them through, they accumulate like a wave. But we know that they're these particles, right? And they've even gone so far as to make sure that they're not interfering with each other. They send one particle, one quantum particle, electron or something, through this, towards the slits, those two slits. And over time, they send them through one at a time. So they, it's not a bunch of particles bouncing off each other or something. There's just one particle going through. And over time on the detector, the wave pattern shows up. And the only way you can explain that is that particle is going through both slits and interfering with itself and then creating that pattern. <laughs> so what that means is that particle isn't in one location. It's in sort of a, if you throw a rock in the water and you get that ring of wave that goes out, it's kind of like that ring of wave where it's, it's kind of everywhere. It's mm-hmm. just got different probability that it's in different locations and it's not really in one location. So the particle in a sense is splitting as it's approaching or, or coming in contact. It's not splitting. It's just, it is in two places at once. But the slits and the movement are causing it to occur. Well, no, the particle always, when in a quantum realm, that particle always is in multiple locations simultaneously. Now, it's this, only when you... I was just going to say, is this similar to the quantum tunneling that I've seen? So that's another property. Okay. 
quantum tunneling is another property of these of, at this quantum level. And I remember back in my college class when we talked about this, he said, say you're laying on your bed and you're throwing a tennis ball at the wall. And then every so often it goes through the wall and comes out of the wall on the other side. That's the equivalent of quantum tunneling. There's immovable force, this barrier of energy that this particle should not be able to get through. And sometimes it just does. It just appears on the other side. So that's another one of these spooky properties at the quantum level. And a third one, which, and there's another thing called spin. So these particles have a spin, right spin, left spin. Um, and there's something called quantum entanglement, where if these two particles get close enough to exchange information, essentially, they become quantumly entangled. And so now you can separate those particles by large distances. And if you change the spin on one of them, the other particle switches its spin, no matter how far apart they are. There's some way that they communicate and they switch. And actually, Einstein didn't like this. And he actually called it spooky entanglement because he, did, he didn't like this. It didn't, you know, it's just too strange to make sense to him. And ever since they've done these you know, studies over and over and it, that's actually a big basis of how quantum computers work is based on the spin. But Interesting. underlying of why that happens is still kind of a mystery. So we're understanding that it is happening. We just don't really know all the whys behind it right now. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's these properties that for quite a while now, they've known, you know, back to Einstein's days, they've known about some of these things. We just don't have a good explanation of some of these things of how they work. Now, the wave theory is pretty well defined, you know, that it's again, hard to grasp, but it's well defined that particles are just in a space kind of, again, you throw a rock into water and you get the rings that come out that kind of that ring of wave of space where it, that particle is by probability located all around that ring, but it's in all those places simultaneously. It's only when you measure it, that you, fi you fi find out where it is at that moment, but it is, and that's a whole nother component of that, that that's strange as well. Back to that slip. <laughs> it's really, it, it's Einstein when he called it spooky was, he was right on. Yeah, it's uh, kind of magical. And, and even in, when it, my studying and you and that guy's TED Talk, I know he's got a big TED Talk out there on it. And just some of the YouTube videos I watch, they keep referring to the quantum world, almost like it's a, it's a separate world from the real world, you know? Exactly. It's the matrix. It is. Yeah. It's the real matrix. <laughs> well, and, and back to that slit theory, that double slit experiment. This is another thing that's really kind of crazy about it. You know, when you just let the particles go through one at a time, creates that interference pattern because it's going through both slits simultaneously. When you put a detector on the other side of those slits, it starts acting like a particle again. The act of measuring, and this is another quantum thing, the, the act of measuring it makes it act like a particle again. Hmm. No longer acts like a wave. So you'll get those two spots of buildup on the detector. You turn your uh, measuring device off and it starts acting like a wave again. So the act of measuring changes, it basically doesn't act like a quantum particle anymore, it acts more like that micro level. And that's, that's the thing too, until and why the biology part of this was so shocking when this started to be proved is that the only way they can make quantum computers is if you isolate, and, and these studies I've 
described about the wave theory and the particles is when you isolate them down to just a single particle, then they start acting like this. And the theory is that when you have a whole bunch of particles, they all kind of, the noise of all of them kind of washes it out and you don't see that pure level of how they act. And so in quantum computers, they do that. They go to like absolute zero temperature and, and isolate these particles so that they act like quantum particles. Hmm. And so the idea was, how could something living, like a plant, like a leaf, whose temperature is room temp, you know, outdoor temperature, how could it have quantum things happening? Because it violates what we think about them as far as when there's too many of these particles together, they don't act like quantum particles anymore. So Craig, we know that these different variations or forms of quantum physics, quantum biology exist. What's actually being done with this information and this science and how is it affecting our everyday lives now and how, you know, or even force, how do you foresee it affecting our lives in the future? Well, I think there's going to be a lot of really big understanding of how we work and that's at a real basic level. And I think that will lead to a lot of other discoveries, you know, once we understand how some of these things are happening. I mean, one of the things that I've, I'm alluding to here that they've proven is that uh, photosynthesis, you have a leaf and when sunlight hits that leaf, it knocks an electron out of the, one of the cells, right? That electron has to get to the energy center in the leaf to be used. Well, the problem is it's a, you've got all these directions it can go, right? So that particle, it can go you know, up, down, left, right. It can go in any direction. It doesn't know where to go. But we've found that photosynthesis is like almost 100% efficient. That means the electron always gets to the right spot. Well, how can it do that if it doesn't know where to go? Because it's only got like, think of the nanosecond, tiny amount of time to get to the energy center before it's essentially reabsorbed and gone. Well, they figured out that it is quantum walk. So quantum walk is another one of these properties where because that particle is in multiple locations simultaneously, it can figure out the shortest path to somewhere because it can go down all paths simultaneously. So it's, it's actually going to travel down every possible path. Like that, again, you throw that rock in the water and those rings go out. It's doing that. That particle is searching every possible path simultaneously. And that's why it always gets to the energy center. And they, they, this is one of the first ways they prove that quantum things are happening in living things. Gosh, that's crazy. I mean, photosynthesis in itself is nearly a miracle, just that you can have, you can create biomass and energy basically just from light. Exactly. And I know research have shown that even ourselves, we can go undergo some sort of photosynthesis because we're able to create energy in the form of ATP from sunlight. Yes, there's studies that have shown that, yeah. So do you foresee, even as the work in quantum biology gets further down the road, even like synthetic, you know, machines that are able to produce that level of sunlight, whatever it might be, in order that we can like bring this in our house and create energy from this synthetic machine, whatever it might be? Yeah, I'm a big believer in getting enough sunlight. I think you're never going to replace the real thing, you know, as much as you, I mean, you can augment it. And I think that's something that we'll probably see more of. You know, we have gotten this phobia of the sun as far and sunscreen use has gone up like a hundredfold in the last 30 years. And yet skin cancer has continued to rise. And so we, we've kind of, I think, 
as with so many things in nutrition and with our bodies, we've gone down the wrong path. And we think the issue is the sunlight. And in reality, I mean, third degree sunburns, yeah, they're bad. But, you know, getting enough sunlight to get that vitamin D level, that's so critical. You make cholesterol sulfates in your skin, which are also very healthy. You getting circadian sunlight. So you know about circadian rhythms and there's a, a detector in your eye that communicates with the SCN in your brain to turn on and off melatonin. It's mainly stimulated by blue light. So that morning light, if you get it in your eye, you stimulate the SCN and you say, stop creating melatonin. In the evening, and this is why like blue blocking glasses are becoming more popular. If you block that blue light in the evening, it, the SCN then says, okay, make melatonin, which makes you drowsy and sleep better. So all these things, I think we just have always nutrition, you know, we go down the low fat path and, you know, we just, all these ways that we go down the wrong path and we're finding out more and more, I think that, you know, sunlight's not bad for you. We actually, it's very critical for health. Sure. I want to talk a little bit about the earth's magnetic, you know, field. And I know when we talked with Maria, she said she does grounding every morning, whether there's six feet of snow on the on the ground or not but so is that something you practice as well so that's another thing and i think this can somewhat get into the like easy water type stuff easy water is exclusion zone water and it's dr pollock found that whenever water comes in contact with a hydrophilic surface hydrophilic means it likes water water spreads out the opposite of that would be like a teflon pan where it bubbles up kind of rejects water when it comes in contact with hydrophilic surface, a zone of this structured water builds up. And one of the really interesting properties of that is infrared light makes that zone expand. It gains charge from the infrared light. I believe that's why you can have ATP generated from sunlight in humans, small amounts, because what's inside mitochondria? It's all water. And a mitochondria is hydrophilic. So all that water is easy water. And easy water gains charge from infrared light. So that's why you can make some ATP from sunlight. So I think that, uh, I'm sorry, what was the original question? (laughs) Oh, we were talking about grounding. Oh, grounding. So what happens is the earth is actually negatively charged. Kind of sounds weird, but the earth has a negative charge. And so when you touch the earth, not with shoes on, you know, have an electrical connection with the earth, you're gaining some negative charge electrons from the earth and you know that can have a a little bit of an effect on your health and improve you know again creating that energy source in your body craig do you on the waterfront do you use any special type of infrared filter because i've seen those like under the counter systems that either an ro or not an ro system that will filter through and it'll pass through an infrared tube and then it'll pass through a structured water tube before you know being put into your glass. Do you advocate any of those or do you use any that maybe you recommend? For me, it's just getting good water, you know, no fluoride or chlorine in it. You know, spring water is obviously typically best. And there's actually a site that you can go to that uh, you can find a spring water source in your area. They have them all over the country. But, you know, in general, easy water, it's going to happen whenever any water, it doesn't have to be special water any water touches hydrophilic surface. And that's gonna happen naturally in your body because your body is made up mostly of water molecules. 
And so those, all those molecules are touching proteins and things that are hydrophilic. So they're just going to build up that exclusion zone automatically. So I'm not sure that something external or a bottle of quote, easy water. I don't think that's really going to help that in any way. Yeah. That was leading to my next question is with your extensive research on the quantum biology and then this water, is there any truth to buying this like, you know, hydrogenated water, structured water, that sort of thing in order to more efficiently enter our cells? If you're getting quality H2O and, and you know, enough staying hydrated, that is going to happen that easy water is going to build up no matter as long as it's H2O. I'm not sure any of those products are going to enhance that. Mm -hmm. I don't see how that would improve it. Are there any specific water filters you use, recommend, or on the flip side, ones that we should stay away from? Well, it really depends on your source. You know, we're actually a little bit more out in the country here. So we have a well, uh, we had it tested to make sure there wasn't any junk in it, you know, and, but you know, for city water, especially, there's going to be probably some fluoride and chlorine that you really don't want to get in your body. So you're going to want to try to get that out of it, different reverse osmosis or whatever systems to try to get rid of that. You know, it's tough these days because if you go way back to our paleo ancestors, there's so many essential nutrients coming from your water that you're not going to get anymore. There used to be a lot of magnesium, a lot of these things that now with all the city water and bottled water, you're filtered all that good stuff out along with the bad stuff. So you get kind of get imbalances there, but, but yeah, it's, it's challenging, but you, if you can filter out as much as you can, especially in city water, that's best. Craig, getting back a little bit to the quantum side of things. Yep. You've mentioned the quantum computers being developed and, and all I can image is like the Jetsons, right? Like, you know, teleporting yeah. and all this stuff. Like I, I feel like it's a discussion on this mixed world of the matrix and the Jetsons. And so do you see quantum biology, quantum physics, and quantum mechanics where those technologies and that science is being applied to things where we could hypothetically teleport or do anything like that? Boy, I don't know about that level. You know, I want to say anything's impossible with computers. I mean, it, we're quickly approaching the singularity. If you know what that is or have read any of Ray Kurzweil's stuff on that, that's where uh, computers get so fast and so good that they can make new computers faster than we can. And so that gets to like an exponential increase, hmm. even faster development, because they can figure out ways to do it faster and quicker than we can. And so beyond that, it's kind of hard to say what is going to happen. <laughs> but I think, you know, one of the interesting things about this from the quantum aspect is they're starting to get hints. And the best book by far that I've read on this is called The Light, Life on the Edge. And it's, there's hints of this quantum level stuff happening all over the place. Another really good example, which they've uh, recently proven, is that there's a European robin. And they know that it navigates going south by the Earth's magnetic field. But they calculated even a simple, this most basic enzyme reaction would require like 100 times more energy than the, the magnetic field of the Earth gives. So how can any signal be given to that robin from such a weak magnetic field, right? Well, they figured out it's in its eye, there's a, another receptor that has quantumly entangled molecules. So again, that spin that switches 
instantaneously when one switches, the other switches. It has that. And so those really small fluctuations in the magnetic field can flip those and it orient it, orientates itself to the magnetic fields of the earth that way. And since then we found all kinds of things, you know, salmon in the ocean that use the magnetic field to know which way to go back to the river. All of these animals that actually use those, that very important quantum function to navigate by the magnetic field of the earth. And there's other, in this book, they also hypothesize about other things like DNA replication. So replicating DNA is very, very accurate. But every once in a while, there's an error that's injected, right? That error, if you look at it's the error rate, there's a good assumption that quantum tunneling is what could be call it causing that. Because you have the, the pair of you know, the DNA string, you have the pairs, they should match up. But every once in a while, one of them switches. And if you look at the error rate, it's similar to a quantum tunneling rate. So it might actually be quantum tunneling that's causing those basic DNA changes, which you're saying, what's good about a DNA change? That's how evolution occurred. Right? That's how life on the planet occurred. This is those small changes and fluctuations over time that build up you know, dominant traits and things. So another very essential aspect of life. Just to wrap my head around more of this quantum tunneling. So it's when a, like a particle who that would normally, if there's a barrier, it would hit that barrier and, and bounce back. It's not going to be able to cross. Yeah. So we're just got to have enough energy to basically go over that barrier to get to the other side. Correct. But this particle can now act like a wave and go through that barrier. Almost like, you know, anybody who's lived in an apartment complex with thin walls knows that sounds, which yeah. are waves, transmit through that barrier. Is that what's happening here? But the uh, actual particle itself shows up on the other side? Well, it's not really related to the wave part. Okay. It's just that this thing that shouldn't be able to get past this barrier of energy, right? Another way to look at it is like a hill. To get a rock over a hill, you got to put a lot of energy in it to push it all the way up the hill and then have it come back down the other side. Quantum tunneling, it just goes through the hill and shows up on the other side occasionally. This happens every once in a while. And we're talking in the... In I mean, because it is hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Are, we, are we talking in the it's physical the, realm? the quantum world. Really, yeah, yeah, I mean, you you'd brought physical up the realm. tennis so ball. Is it, is it really a physical component that is showing up on the other side? Yep, it's an electron that is showing up on the other side of this energy barrier it should never have been able to get through. But like you said, it's that we've only been able to witness this when we get it down to that one particle. Whenever we get a mass of particles, that's the problem. Normally, correct. That's how we yeah. study it. But now we're finding that like with the leaf, these quantum things can happen at that level. Mm. And again, the DNA example, there could be tunneling occurring at that level that creates the DNA replication errors. Yeah. So back to your transporting question, it's like there's just too much atoms right now for us to put back together on the other side of that barrier. I really just want to, I want to be able to step into a machine, press the green <laughs> button, you know, not yet, I just buddy. go into not a million yet. particles and I show up at Craig's in house in, in person for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about we all go to Hawaii and do an interview? That'd be cool. There. Yeah, the airlines probably fight us on this, yeah. this research. Might yeah. put them out of business. Exactly. So has anyone been able to do this with any type of mass or physical group of, of so the, material? So like the tunneling thing? The mm -hmm. tunneling thing, it just, it just happens at 
the electron level. Okay. So it's just single electrons that it's just one of their properties. It's like saying water, you know, is solid and liquid and gas. It's just one of the properties. And so at a quantum level, these electrons, this is just one of their properties is one of the things they do. And it's just really weird. <laughs> now I would assume people are, people sense. are probably really trying to get a tennis ball to show up on another, the other side of the wall, aren't they? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I think that takes can... a lot more energy. Than to throw it over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to where does that those... lead us? Well, I think, you know, I think what this points out is the importance of other factors um, in our, not only our existence of being here, but, you know, like the light example, I think light is so critical and we get so many people, I mean, think about our environments today. What are we doing? We're in cubicles with no natural sunlight. We're driving around in cars, wearing shoe, always have shoes on with rubber soles on them that isolate you from the earth and you're not touching the earth. You think about that environment and there's so many things that are just bad for health in that situation. You need sunlight. You need sunlight for the vitamin D that can only be created in your skin. And it's so been linking to so many things from chronic pain to, you know, depression to all of these things, cholesterol sulfates I mentioned that are generated in the skin. You know, that is another huge component. And all of this is just, you know, the sun, which, you know, you're getting a lot of it's getting electrons from the sun to do these things that are so beneficial to your body you know, grounding to the earth, these types of things. What are some more of those actionable steps that our listeners could maybe put into place based on these implications of quantum biology? Yeah, I think number one, Maria may have mentioned this, we're big believers in getting enough sleep. Sleep is so critical for, especially if you're trying to lose weight, you know, that's such a critical factor. You know, getting at least eight hours of sleep is, is so critical. And think about, again, what's our environment these days? You're sitting in front of a TV, iPad, iPhone before bed, getting all this blue light bombarding your, your, set, your eye, which is shutting off melatonin and is causing sleep issues. You'll notice that uh, it's getting, this is getting a pretty uh, widespread, though, the knowledge of this. Even your iPhone has a night shift mode. So if you go into your iPhone, go into the brightness settings, you can turn on night shift where it'll actually reduce the blue light output of your phone from you know, sunset to sunrise. You can also get an app for your computer to do the same. But also these blue light blocking glasses, and you get these cheap ones for like 10 bucks that if you put them on while watching TV in the evening can be very helpful for stimulating that melatonin. Yeah, I think those inventions just go to show how far we'll go to stay connected to our screens, probably more than anything. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm being healthy while I'm being bad. You know, <laughs> yeah. we're just going to yeah. hack it. We're going to hack it all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I believe me. I am just, I mean, I'm on my answering Facebook questions and stuff till late in the evening, but, you know, I put my blue blocking glasses on, turn the night shift on on my phone, and it works just fine still. But you're, you're at least helping that, helping your body to, find that natural rhythm, which help you sleep better and be more awake during the day and those type of things. Mm -hmm. um, another one we at, we talked about is just getting enough water. So many people are chronically dehydrated, you know, especially if you're living a low carb or even ketogenic lifestyle, you got to get enough water and electrolytes. You know, there's a, uh, some charts that show the risk factor of sodium intake. 
there's more risk in getting only two grams of sodium than getting eight grams of sodium a day. Mm. So I, I, the ideal is like five to six grams. But when people shift to this type of whole food lifestyle, you, know, you think about processed foods, they're loaded with sodium. I mean, McDonald's, there's more sodium in their milkshake than there is in their French fries. So there's sodium everywhere. Well, when you go to a whole food lifestyle, you got to add more sodium in to get enough sodium for your day. So getting enough water and electrolytes is, is really key for a lot of people too. Which is, um, you know, the sodium was another kind of one of those things similar to you said to the sun earlier, they got really vilified with, yeah. you know, trying to live exactly. a healthy lifestyle. So cut out your salt, but it really, yeah. as we all know, so much of the salt in the processed foods uh, tied in with trans fats and polyunsaturated fats and, you know, that combo together, sure, you're going to have, have, have an issue. Well, exactly. And in, in, in the standard American diet, you're getting so much extra sodium through all this food that you don't even know it's in there, right? Your milkshake has all this sodium in it. Well, they, and then the second factor of that is when you go to a lower carb lifestyle, your liver gives up some, a lot of the salt that it holds on to. And that's why some people will lose weight right away. It's water weight that they're losing because the water, or the salt and the associated water get released when you go to a lower carb lifestyle. So you actually have to add even more than a standard diet because you're losing some of that. I got you. I want to kind of circle back to these Robins that are using the uh, quantum entanglement and basically yeah. getting in touch with Earth's you know, magnetic field in order to navigate them whenever they're migrating. Has that been seen in other mammals or even, you know, how does basically what I'm getting at is what does quantum biology have a role in our senses? Have we figured it, anything on that front yet? Well, that function has been found in a lot of animals. It's uh, monarch butterflies. That's how they navigate to fly all the way down to Mexico. It's in actually for them, it's not in their eye. It's in the end of their antenna, uh, but it, they still have that same thing that they found in the robin. Like I said, salmon, they found it in right. fish, they found a lot of different things. I don't know of, I'm trying to think of mammals that I don't know of any mammals that they found that, that specific thing in, but again, you know, some of these other things like the DNA replication that I mentioned, you know, there's indications or clues to things that are at the quantum level happening in us. We just are touching the surface of that type of research. Right now in combination of, well, let me back up living a healthy lifestyle. Does that have a positive effect at a quantum level? Is there, what's the tie in between living a healthy lifestyle and our quantum biology? Well, I think we're just trying to, we're starting to, just starting to figure that out, right? We're, we, these things that I've described is just in the past few years, they've, they've discovered this stuff about the robin, about the photosynthesis. They actually put lasers on the photocells to actually track where those electrons were going to prove that. But you know, these things are just, that's why I think this is so exciting is because it's kind of like, we always thought about exercise and nutrition as being, you know, some of the most of our, that's what determines your health, right? Well, there's a third component and it's this quantum level stuff of that I think can be influenced by light, by easy water, you know, circadian sunlight, these things that can influence this. It's kind of a third component or third leg of this whole health uh, field. So what is the question that will be answered 
in order to win a Nobel Prize in quantum bio? Oh boy. That's I think they, <laughs> any, well, I think anything they can prove like they have with the Robin or with the, with photosynthesis, a hundred percent, well, you know, a hundred percent. If anything they can prove that it's happening at a quantum level in a human, I think will be a pretty amazing sure. breakthrough. They have a lot of clues. You know, they, there's a lot of things they think are associated with it and that the book Life on the Edge will talks about a lot of those things. Yeah. Again, proving that is a whole nother story based on, you know, going from theory to proof. But I think that would be a huge step in, in this quantum biology direction. Yeah. Well, if they need a human subject, I know a guy, this guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they would measure that. So I'm not sure I want to be part of that. <laughs> True. Greg, do you have any experience with the grounding mats or even the magnetic mattresses yeah. that people can use to kind of get more of that grounding effect? I've personally never used the uh, like anything in the mattress. I do know that they sell pillows and mattresses. Yep. I've been on a few of the grounding pads before, but what's what's your take on those? I think they're great. That's one thing that is kind of interesting is your entire house is not grounded. You know, you got wood floors or, you know, the wood's not conductive of their charge, right? But you can get these, uh, every outlet, that third bottom outlet is an earth ground. That, you know, the three prongs, the, the bottom one, that's an earth ground. And so you can get these pads that plug into there and get you an electrical connection to the earth. Hmm. And that effect is, is effectively grounding. So we have one right here underneath our computer. I've got a pad uh, for my feet to sit on while I'm sitting here, connected to the earth ground and gives you some grounding while you're sitting at the computer. So that's one way to kind of hack it we've had people we've had clients who got a grounding pad and and put it on their mattress so that while during the night they're grounding and she said within a couple nights her sleep improved huge huge uh, improvement in sleep and sleep quality i've even heard of joint health getting a lot better with people using them yes uh shoot i think we oh we're back we're good yeah uh joint health is another one and chronic pain you know these type of things Grounding, sunlight, both can be very helpful to people if they get it. Yeah, it's kind of like those uh, magnetic sleeves I see Brett Favre trying to sell me all the time now. Tommy right? Copper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, some of that I'm, I'm not sure. Kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, as, as far as like grounding to the earth, and it, actually you'll see this in, uh, that's what these uh, Tour de France, a lot of them will be, they'll do cold thermogenesis. So that's mm -hmm. another aspect of this, getting body cold to shrink your mitochondria and make them more efficient, but they'll also sleep on these sleep grounding pads too in between races, again, helping with that re recuperation time. Now, how about the, um, have you experienced any mats that have the combination of grounding and infrared? Like I've seen the really big ones that are almost like the napping pads. They're, you know, six feet long. Um, you can put them in the corner, like, you know, people take a nap on them and they'll get kind of that combo. They'll have you know, grounding in them in the form of maybe earth crystals or something like that, the stones, and then it also be an infrared mat. Have you seen any, you know, had any use with that? A little bit. I know there's like this medical magnetic pad for sleeping as well. I'm not, I haven't used them myself and I haven't I really had any experience with our clients using them. So I can't say whether they're helping or not, but you know, some people do seem to like them. Would you uh, mind sharing which one you use at the desk? On the desk here... We have, it's a, I think it's a, it's earthing universal mat. I think actually Dr. Mercola is the, mm. makes oh, is it. He? Okay. Or he 
re rebrands it anyway. Great. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, I can get you a link to that. That's just so interesting to me because you think about the Earth's magnetic field. I've heard is you know, it's a hundred times weaker than your average, you know, magnet that you stick on your fridge. And you think about if you stick like a, a fridge magnet like on your head or anything, you feel like it's not really doing anything for you, right? Yeah. But yeah, well, that's a from a magnetic standpoint. But a grounding mat isn't about magnetism; it's about electricity. Mm. The negative charge of the Earth, you're getting some of that charge into your body. You know, think about the mitochondria. What are mitochondria doing? They're taking food and they're breaking into electrons, creating ATP. So if you can get other ways of getting ele electrons into your body. That's all good. Sunlight, grounding, all those kind of things. Yeah, Craig, I feel like I'm slowly getting a better understanding <laughs> of how we've this come is a all long way in, in 40 minutes. Yeah, slowly coming full circle. But it really sounds like through your research in quantum biology, what we can establish is there's almost like these three solid pillars of health that help us have a better quantum biology makeup, if you will, in, yes. in the in the realm of as you mentioned earlier in the start the podcast, electrons, protons, atoms. So that would be sleep, sun, and the earth, kind of these three mm -hmm. natural components that at this quantum level help you become a healthier human. I think there is, you know, and, and a lot of this, it just, what's really kind of neat about it is all of this stuff doesn't cost money. It doesn't cost any money to go get some sunlight or take your shoes off and walk in the, walk in the grass. You know, it doesn't cost any money to get cold get some cold therapy and get, you know, a cold dunk in a bath or face dunk, which can also be really helpful for your mitochondria. These things don't cost money. And another component may not be in this quantum realm necessarily, but it is a huge component for apoptosis and autophagy is fasting. And, you know, you think back, you know, all these things I'm talking about, you just go back a few thousand years and that's just normal life, right? You're outside grounding you're in the sunlight circadian because sun goes up sun goes down you get sleep better sleep because of it you're getting cold because you don't have air conditioning or heating or you know any of those kind of things this is just kind of the way us as a species for a very long time existed it's just now where we've created these artificial environments especially more most recently with you know all the blue screens computers, laptops, iPads, TVs, that, sitting. you know, we it's sitting down all the time, not grounding to the earth, all these things that we're, our bodies are just used to that they're no longer getting. Right. Food is always available. And that's yeah. what you're getting at with yep. the fasting bit is that it's really just that cell turnover. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's cell turnover and cell death, you know, uh, cellular death can be a really good thing because one of the things I like to talk about is our whole medical infrastructure seems to be based on your body screwed up. So we're going to make a pill to fix this problem that your body made. Right. I like to look at it as our bodies are perfect. They're doing exactly what they're designed to do. We need to change the inputs so that they can operate properly. And just like a, you know, plaque in the artery, cholesterol companies, you know, they're trying to say cholesterol is screwing up and doing this. Right. Well, if you punch a hole in the wall, what are you going to put on it? Spackle, right? You're going to patch that hole. In an artery, if you get a lesion, it's putting plaque on there to patch that hole. It's doing what it's supposed to do. It's trying to keep you alive. But the question is, why did you get that hole in your artery? Why did you have that inflammation? So you're getting back to the you know, core problem, 
that caused this. That's what I think we need to do more of. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause it's, it's much more than just everyone's eating processed food or everyone's driving so much or everyone's on a screen. It's the combination of all of these lifestyle environments that, you know, and then you'll hear people throw out the argument of, oh, well, you know, ancestral living, they only average age 38, you know, (laughs) it's like, well, (laughs) let's understand where they were healthier and, you know, my, why maybe their average age was lower because there are a lot of components that we can take away from them that we should still be doing today. And then a lot of technology that we could apply to our lives now and find that happy medium for an optimal life. Well, exactly. I mean, back then you got a scratch from a, a bear on your leg and you got an infection, you died. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different components back then that shortened your life that we don't have to worry as much about today. Right. But yeah, it's, I think that's the direction that, you know, a lot of this needs to go is our bodies are doing the right things. If we go back to putting them in the environment that they're used to, and that's not blue screens. It's not inside all day. We got to get in the sun. So. Yeah. And I think it's great. What you're doing is raising awareness. It's what we try to do through the podcast. And, and it does take discipline in today's you know, day and age uh, to live that kind of lifestyle and, and to set those parameters you know, screens off at a certain time or I'm wearing the blue lights yeah. or I'm using a grounding mat because I, I just I have to work and I just can't get on a trail today or can't walk in the grass. And it's just being yeah. more aware, you know, of your environment. Yeah, yeah people, people hate the cold things. therapy. You know, tell people to jump <laughs> in an ice bath. It's like, no, I'm good. Oh, man. Yeah. You should see my wife. She, we were at this spot. We just got back from Hawaii a little bit ago and <laughs> nice. she, we were at this spot and they had a 52 degree cold tub and she would just sit in there for like 20 minutes and I'm like, how the hell can you do that? Wow. <laughs> but you know, I can get in there for a little bit and then I got to get out. But yeah, it's, you know, what's interesting about it is after you do that, you come out, you can feel your body heating up. You mm-hmm. can feel that, you know, cold thermogenesis kicking in and you actually feel warmer after. I'm in the mood for a cold plunge now. <laughs> Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to try one of these things. I heard him say it, a face dunk. Yeah. 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 It's a way to ease yourself into the, you know, it's going to be really hard to jump straight into an ice bath. Oh, yeah, you start building up to it. Okay. Yeah, you build up to it. You just have a, fill your sink with some cold water, put your face in there as long as you can stand it, and then keep doing that. And you kind of build up this, face dunking is a really good way to build up a tolerance for that cold. Is that kind of working on that mammalian dive reflex? Yeah, yeah, it's related to that as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it, again, it's pretty interesting. You come out and after you're done, suddenly you feel this heat, you know, just coming through your body as your body thermal temperature starts kicking in again. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, a lot of our listeners are familiar with Wim Hof, who's really led the charge in this, you know, cold yes. exposure and breath work. It's a lot of great, great stuff he's doing. And he's made it a very low barrier to entry to take some of his courses. And I've heard testimonials from other people that have done it. And has just seen incredible results where, you know, he starts you off with just literally 15 seconds. And, you know, eventually you're building up to, like Maria, 20-minute, you know, ice baths. So, Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I I don't know if I'll ever get to that level. But (laughs) but I'm not the athlete that she is, so don't have quite as much recovery I need to do. (laughs) Well, one day, one day. But if people want to go and find out more about this stuff, Craig, where can you point them? Our blog, MariaMindBodyHealth.com. You know, we post about uh, quite a bit of it out there. And then also we have a subscription site 
where I post a lot of my science articles on this, and that's keto-adapted.com. And of course, we, we answer tons of free questions out there for people on our Facebook page and, and Instagram and Twitter and all that. Awesome. I can give you links for that for the show notes. Great. Yes, definitely. Well, Craig, it's been a pleasure. It's been really fun learning about this topic and seeing how it all ties in to our health as humans and also just the environment, animals, mm-hmm. you name it. So it's, uh, it's been a treat. Thanks. Yeah, this is, like I said, I think it really, if you, I can give you this uh, picture too. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ivor Cummings. He's a scientist who's done some really great work. He's got this tree of disease and, you know, all these cancer, all these branches that come out of this tree. What's the root causes of these? Well, insulin, that's a big one. That's in the middle. But there's also sunlight, there's sleep, there's, you know, all these things that feed into this disease that gets developed. And if, if you start breaking down all these pieces, you got to fix them all again to re- reverse those diseases. And they all feed in. Yeah, it's interesting. Mike, I'm excited to see what this field, you know, uh, can produce. Yeah. So we'll see what yeah, happens. We'll, well, thanks, happens, guys. But... I appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah we'll thank have, you, Craig. Have to have you back on as new developments occur. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We are resident quantum biology specialist. There you go. <laughs> I will keep up on it. Awesome. 